Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Elizabeth Reese. I'm Marjorie Bunnett. And this is Best to the Nest, the podcast that is all about creating strong, comfortable, beautiful nests that prepare us to fly. Marjorie, why do you sound like you're in a closet? Because I'm sitting in a closet underneath my staircase <laughs> in an empty townhome. It is, there's nothing left except three suitcases and an air mattress. Man. So I go to a hotel tonight. I uh, talk about what a crazy... Every time I think I'm super buttoned up for a move, I was pretty good, but it's still crazy. It doesn't matter when you're, when you're going to fill a truck filled with 22 feet full of stuff. It's nuts. No, it totally is. And it always ends up being more stuff than you think. You look around and you go, I don't have that much stuff. And then at the end you're cursing and you're like, why do I have so much stuff? I said to the movers, I said, I hate everything in this truck except you two. Is what I said to them at the end of the day. Oh, oh my gosh. I love yeah. it, Marjorie. Well, yeah. listen, today we have a great guest. And so I'm so excited that you're curled up in your closet because I know that you're going to love this woman. So um, we're talking about heart health and we're theming today's episode, The Heart of the Matter. And it goes far beyond heart health where we're talking about living a long, full Life. Well, I'm really excited about our guest today, Marjorie, and I actually did a Facebook Live with Dr. Elizabeth Clotus uh, a few weeks ago, and it was interesting because the TCL team said, hey, we're working with Dr. Clotus. Will you do this Facebook Live with her and just talk about heart health? And we have an hour blocked off for it. And Marjorie, I was kind of thinking like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to fill a whole hour of conversation about this. Like, We'll try and I'll see what I can do, but maybe it'll be 20 minutes. Maybe it'll be 30 minutes. Marjorie, we talked for 56 minutes and I could have gone on for another half an hour with this woman because it was so fun and inspiring and motivating. And I loved her entire perspective on health. Wonderful. Oh, I'm so excited for this conversation because I think it's so, so important. It is. So Dr. Clotus is a cardiologist and a founder of Preventive Cardiology Clinic in Minneapolis. She's also the founder and chief medical officer of Step One Foods, which is a company that helps patients minimize their dependence on medications through strategic dietary changes. And I think if there's a complaint about healthcare from me, it's that we have gotten ourselves in a real fragmented system where I think we're not looking at ourselves holistically enough. And Dr. Clotus is like 100% the antidote to that. She is the cardiologist who's looking at the whole mind, body, spirit, the whole deal. So Dr. Clotus, we're so happy to have you here. Oh my gosh, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I'm I'm so excited to be with you again. <laughs> well, this is great. We're talking about heart health and women and you, you we discuss like how the kitchen is the heart of the home and I think women are really in particular the heart of the home. You know, my husband lost his mom uh to cardiovascular illness and it's 
a huge loss, particularly, I think, in a house of men. So my husband has one brother and then his dad. Marjorie, this is like your family. Like the mom holds the glue together, is the glue that holds the family together in a lot of families. And um, yet women are so impacted by heart disease. I mean, the statistics are overwhelming, and I know you can run through them for us, which we'd love. Yeah, so amazingly, you know, for actually for both genders, heart disease is the number one killer in in our country. And it's been like this forever. The American Heart Association was founded in 1924. Why? Because heart disease was the number one killer of Americans. We're almost a hundred years later, and every single year, with the exception of World War II, heart disease has been the number one killer of Americans. And and even during COVID, and that's not to diminish the impact of a of a global pandemic, heart disease has been the number one killer of Americans. And and I, I look at the efforts we have put into you know, getting a, a hang on COVID, right? And and yeah. vaccines and, you know, like this whole, you know, everyone kind of rallied together to to try and, you know, and, and beat this thing. And yes, we still have a ways to go, but clearly there's there's a light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, you know, what if we did that for heart disease? Yes. Um, you yeah. know, which is which is eighty percent preventable. Eighty percent of it need not exist. Why don't we? I mean that's such a that's such a great point. What is this sort of what's the stumbling block to awareness? What's the stumbling block to funding? Is it... Oh, well, the funding is there. You know, we, we're, we're spending, it's, it's, it's the disease that we probably spend the most money on. We are currently close to $400 billion per year per year on, on treatment alone by 2035. So that's what 15 years away on our current trajectory, we're going to be spending close to a billion dollars per, sorry, trillion, trillion dollars per year, every single year for, for a predominantly preventable condition. So the, so the money's there. I, awareness again, American Heart Association every single year, February, right? Heart Health Month, wear a red dress, blah, blah. Like we all (laughs) know it. I think part of it is maybe we, it's just so prevalent. We just, it's just, we almost accept it as, as inevitable or just, just one of those things that happens. And, and that's, you know, and, and my whole career has, has turned towards trying to sort of say, no, this, it doesn't have to be this way. And it's actually not up to me to change it. It's up to people themselves. They have so much power over this. I, you know, that's what I think is so fascinating about it is because if it were a matter of throwing all the money in the world at it and all of the marketing dollars in the world at it, we would have some magic pill that you would take and then all of a sudden, poof, it would be gone. But it's not one big monumental thing. It is every little teeny tiny decision that you're making every single day that cumulatively adds up to either help you live a long, healthy uh, you know, joy filled, productive life, or you're living, uh, you're basically just hanging on waiting to die. I mean, I know that kind of sounds extreme, but I, that is sort of the oh point that we're gosh, getting to with a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> that may be a little extreme, okay, especially <laughs> on the negative end. I'm such a positive person. Yes. So, but, but, but it's true. Every day 
through our actions, we either build health or disease in ourselves. Yeah. And the, you know, the, the good news is, is that even if we haven't been perfect all the way along, it's not all lost, you know, it changing course changes our trajectory. And so even if, you know, even if you look back and you go like, Oh, that was, those are some bad choices I made during my, you know, thirties and forties. Yeah. It's okay, you know, or even fifties or sixties. Now you're 70. It, you know, I mean, it's, it's better if you've made better choices all the way along. But even if, if it hasn't been perfect, you can still course correct. Like that's the great thing about, about a lot of the, the chronic diseases that, that, that plague us. Though the earlier you do this, the better. I, I'm I'm stuck on what you said, and I want you to repeat it. That every day we choose between health and disease. Is that how you said it? Yeah. It, so every every day we choose to either build health or disease in ourselves. Yeah. Through I our think actions. that's I think that's so important for people to hear. We have a lot of people who listen to this podcast who are young mothers, who are probably a little stressed out at times. But that's such an important thing to hear yep. in your 30s and 40s in particular when a lot of these choices about what you eat, what you're going to drink, how much you're going to drink sort of take hold. I, I That's a great little thing to hold in your head. I love when we have little nuggets that you can sort of take with you for the day so you can remember this is a choice. When I do that, this is a choice about my heart. And I, I just think that's really yep. important. I love that. Yeah. And it's not just heart, you know, when you, when you live in a way that, that promotes heart health, you're also living in a way that helps reduce your, your chance of developing cancer, protects you mm. against cognitive decline and dementia. I mean, it's, it's all, we're like, we're, in, everything is connected inside of us. We tend to, in medicine especially, we tend to like, you know, block it out. I just do the heart and <laughs> someone just does the brain and someone yeah. just does the kidneys, right? But, but it's all, it's all interconnected. It's, it's one system. And the other thing, the other point that I'd like to make that goes back to that, you know, build health or, or build disease is being those choices, being mindful, especially of what we put into our bodies. You know, we obsess a lot. I mean, I see a lot of patients who are, you know, very concerned about medications and their side effects and, you know, blah, blah, and, you know, sort of what they do and how they act and all very valid concerns. Like we, sh we should be thinking about the, the actions of medications on our body, but we don't put nearly the same import on the, the, what food does inside yeah. our bodies, right? Like, you know, we mind, we mindlessly eat a bag of potato chips and, you know, and I'm guilty of the same thing. Mm -hmm. You know, this is, this is doing this right isn't necessarily straightforward or easy. And we can talk about the food environment and, you know, and how, how very counterproductive it is and messed up it is, but, but it, but we should be thinking the same thing, like everything we put into our body, whether it's a drug, a supplement, a, you know, a strawberry, a brownie, you know, a, a Cheeto, like it all has a biochemical, biologic effect on our cells. Like, so I, I love that. About this. Well, and that's what's so great because, you know, I know I went negative there before on the whole waiting to die thing, but that being said, you know, when you talk about food and what it does to our cells, I mean, you can either look at it as like, well, 
uh, okay, just toss it. Or every bite you take is an opportunity to heal and fuel. One of my mentors in life has been Horst Reckelbacher. And Horst Reckelbacher passed away a few years ago. And of course, he was the founder of Aveda. And my husband and I got married on Horst's property. We got married at his home, which was like I every time I think about that, I go, I still can't believe that happened because it was so amazing. Marjorie, you were there. It was like pretty doggone magical. Um, But there's a famous quote from Horst that is used all over Aveda and then all over, you'll see it everywhere. And it is that everything that we put in or on our body must be nutritious and safe, must be nutritious and safe. And so it, if you kind of make that distinction there that everything I'm going to put in or on my body is nutritious and safe. Now, I mean, going with every single thing is difficult, but if that's sort of your mantra for your overall day of how you're making decisions, it can sort of make those choices a little bit easier because you don't have to think about it so much. It's just, this is, this is what I'm doing. This is where I'm at. Elizabeth, I feel a little bit like you're doing some sort of intervention on me because last <laughs> week in the nest, I said to get through the stress of the move, I was going to eat whatever I wanted and drink whatever I That's wanted. That's true. So she I was did say that. Overdosing on coffee yeah. and Cane's fried chicken. Yeah. yeah. So yep. if this is an intervention, just tell me now. Yeah. I'm okay with that. I'll yeah. stop. Well, fortunately for you, I had Dr. Clotus's interview planned before that, but don't you think it didn't cross my mind? Well, Elizabeth and I always joke that our shows have always been um, beautifully, consistently inconsistent. So um, I think the message here is that none of us is perfect, but to be mindful, I mean, we, we, we fall down, we may eat something that's not good for us, it may be a treat for that day. But on the main, to be mindful of what we do to our bodies every day and the long-term implications of that. I think that's really important. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think a lot of people fall into, I have to be perfect. Yeah. Otherwise it's a, it doesn't count. And that's not right. You don't, I mean, perfect, it would be great, but how, you know, like I'm, I, I talk about this every day. I live it and I'm not perfect. So I try, but it's, but it's about the overall totality of what you're doing. You don't have to be perfect. You just need to be better because even being better makes a huge impact on your health over time. And like I I use these examples with my patients all the time. For example, one can of soda a day seems like not much, right? But over the course of a year, that is 30 cases of soda that you are consuming. And if you, you know, if you were to go to Costco or Walmart or Target or whatever, buy 30 cases of soda, put it in your kitchen, sit down and say like, I'm going to drink this. You would say like, that's crazy. Like that's not good for me. Right. And yet over the course of a year, you are putting all of that into your body. And so one can, so you get rid of one can of soda a day, you've gotten rid of 30 cases in a year. Like that's a, that's humongous. And it was a a tiny change, right? Same thing on the, you know, same thing on adding good things in, Mm -hmm. you know, an apple a day keeps the doctor away. Okay. So you eat an apple one day. Yeah. Kind of lame. But if you do it every single day for a year, you will have added in three bushels of apples into your body, which is Okay, that gets really interesting in terms of fiber and antioxidants and micronutrients and vitamins. And and if that was instead of a cookie, mind-blowing health health transformation, 
with one small change. And so it's, it's really, you know, you have to think, look at the bigger picture of what is that we're doing. It's not on a minute to minute. It's not day to day. It's kind of over, over a lifetime. And so the more good choices you make, the, 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 the cumulative effects of that are enormous. It is really incredible when you put it that way. And that's, that's the empowering part is it's all of these just little choices. But I want to talk about these pillars of longevity that I know have Mm -hmm. really um, resonated with you and that I think are just such a wonderful example of how you practice medicine, which is again, a holistic look at mind, body, spirit, and how all of them are equally important. I mean, because when when Dr. Clotus talks about this, Marjorie, it's like, wow, the bushels of apples are just as important as putting a smile on my face and also Mm. taking time to do things that I love. Sort of things that I think in our culture, we tend to think of as like luxuries, Right. Uh, really have to be considered necessities when it comes to our health. So hit us with it, Dr. Clotus. What are your pillars, sister? <laughs> pillars of healthy longevity. Yeah. So, you know, whenever I see a, a, a patient for the, for the first time, I typically go over this with them because they are so, so important. And, and I don't know if, if your listeners are, for, are familiar with the blue zones, but, but this is, these are communities around the globe where people experience exceptional healthy longevity, where becoming a centenarian is not the exception, it's the rule. Like everybody turns turns a hundred. Yeah, that's Stan Butner's research, which is just yep, so incredible. Stan Butner. Yep. And and I I really think that there's a lot to be learned here from from those communities because even though they're geographically and dispersed, culturally very different, genetically diverse, yet they, they have the same outcomes. And, and they figured something out that we should learn from. I mean, if, if these people are doing these things and living to a hundred, it's like, whatever they're doing, I'm doing that. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, Dan, Dan in, in his book talks about like the nine things that are common amongst these communities. Well, I can't remember nine, but I can distill it down <laughs> to four things and which kind of cover all of, all of the nine, nine items that he lists. So number one, people are physically active. Mm-hmm. They move. Now, the good news is these are not the Kenyan marathoners or the Ironman triathletes. This is not about extreme physical activity, it, but it is about regularly moving your body through space every single day. For most, and you know, for these people, it's like they don't have to think about it because they're fishermen, they're farmers, they live in little villages where you have to walk up and down a couple of hills to see your neighbor. It's just physical activity is just part of their day. It just yeah. happens naturally. For us, our natural default is to sit, right? We we sit at desk jobs, we drive our cars, we watch TV, right? Like everything is done seated. And so for us, becoming incorporating physical activity is almost has to be intentional. So to make up for eight hours of sitting, if people want to keep this in the back of their minds, you need at least one hour of aerobic physical activity per Whoa. day one hour. That government recommendation of 30 minutes, five days a week is is garbage for yeah. healthy longevity. It's just not enough. Look at that, so Marjorie. Be- How does that make you feel in that tiny closet all curled up? <laughs> <laughs> well, I just, to, and I don't want to interrupt your point, but it, yeah. this is such an important thing that you're saying. And I have felt this 
in the pandemic, which I think a lot of people have been feeling because we're even more stationary than yeah. we were. And what's been interesting for my own little study is when I would go to the office pre-pandemic, I work remotely now, I would ride my bike to the bus. It was a 15-minute bike ride to the bus every day. It was just my commute. I didn't yeah. even think about it. I'd get on my bike. You know, I live in Arizona, so weather's not really a factor. I'd get on my bike. I would ride to the bus. And then every night, I would ride around campus a little bit, and then I would ride home. So it was about 20 minutes coming home. So I was getting 35 minutes of exercise a day. And, it's and it was just part of your day, right? Yeah. It was just, just part, part of your day. day. And, it was, and that, I think, in the pandemic has been such a... I, I miss it so much. So now I just even just try and go for a bike ride at night, but it's no longer a part of my day. So it's an effort. I don't do it every night. I certainly don't do it five weeks, five days a week like I used to. And that was only 35 minutes. That wasn't even an hour. And my body has changed. It's incredible how that happens. I mean, and that's what Dr. Clotus is talking about, that cumulative effect of just like that every day. And Marjorie, I do like that point, though. And it sort of got me thinking, like, how can I incorporate movement just more into my life, not having Mm -hmm. to make it like this huge thing? Like, I've got to work out today. I have to work out today. If you just make it part of your day it can be a lot easier to fit it in. Okay, so we've right. got the movement. Movement has to yep. be happening. What else do we have, Dr. Clotus? So, and speaking about COVID, because this has been very difficult to do over the, certainly over the past year, these people are socially interconnected, right? They're, they're, they have a tribe, whether it's their, you know, extended family, whether it's their neighborhood, their faith community, they come together. They have a social support in the, in the most distilled sense. It's the opportunity to give and receive love. It's really hmm. important. We are social animals. And I just, since we're talking, we talked about COVID a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, I, I have seen this in my practice, people really suffering with, with the, with the, you know, physical isolation that, that we've, we've experienced um, during this time. So social interconnectedness. The next is easy to say, not necessarily easy to achieve. These people are happy. Yeah. They hmm. found joy and purpose in their lives. And, and again, this is not about extreme things. They're not all solving the world's problems <laughs> or, you know, or, um, you know, but it's, 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 they're doing things that give them a reason to get up in the mornings. And whether that's, you know, working because they like to work and into their eighties and nineties, whether it's gardening because they like to garden, whether it's reading because they like to read, it's, it's whatever it is that gives them joy and purpose. So that's, that's another pillar. And then the last is what is it that they eat? These people eat a whole food plant-based diet which is beans and greens and nuts and seeds and fruits and vegetables and grains, but in their most whole and unprocessed forms, right? So steel-cut oats, not Cheerios, an apple, not applesauce or apple juice, brown rice, not white, right? Just as close to its original form as possible. Meat and animal products in general constitute a minority of, of calories, and, and that's because you know, to kill a cow means it doesn't, you don't get the milk anymore. To kill yeah. a chicken means you don't get the eggs, right? So it's just a very different way of eating and it's simple and it's prepared at home and, and, you know, it's free of preservatives and additives and, and so forth. So it's so, you know, a couple things really struck me about what you just said, Dr. Clotus, especially as we've been kind of talking about COVID 
And when we look at like the social connectedness of being so important, and yet that is something that we've had to, I mean, essentially eliminate for a lot of people. I mean, there's a large group of people in this country who are totally isolated because of this. I mean, you know, I guess I sort of take for granted because I've still been going to work every day for a couple of hours. I'm seeing fewer people, but I have been seeing people. I um, have, you know, family in our house and we've got little ones and everybody's here. But that isolation and then also people not being able to do what they love. So if your passion is going to a theater performance or participating in a theater performance, all of those things that are just um, incredible outlets for creativity and also sources of such joy. Yes. All these things that have been taken away. And then also the lack of movement and all of these things. And we're, we are sacrificing all of those things for COVID. And I'm not saying that doesn't need to happen because this has been a really traumatic pandemic. But at the same time, all of those things are so crucial to our longevity and our overall health. And we're still seeing more people die of heart disease. It just seems like, oh my gosh, how, wow, do we get out of this? (laughs) Those, those four pillars. I mean, they are so obvious and so deceptively simple, right? Move, you know, have some friends, be happy and eat well, right? Like, okay. (laughs) Good talk. Right. Right. And, and, and look at what that does. These people have 80% less heart disease, 75% less cancer, two thirds less dementia, right? Like simple, simple things that, that yield these unbelievable health benefits. And yet for us to achieve these, to, for us to achieve these pillars, we literally, from the moment we get up in the morning to the time we go to bed, we have to swim against the current, yeah. right? Because yeah. our our jobs are sedentary, you know, like friends, like what? Like I don't even have time, but COVID yeah. has made that impossible. Mm-hmm. You know, um, happy, what? Because I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm I'm sitting on my computer and, you know, and, and I'm isolated. I'm, I'm not going to be happy. And then the food environment is completely 100% broken. Yeah. We, you should walk Mm. into it. When you walk into a grocery store, everything that you see there should be, you should feel good about putting it in your cart. It should, every single one of those items should build health. And yet you look around that grocery store and probably 90% of it builds disease. And so how are you supposed to do this? How are you supposed to do it? And, you know, and, and it, and it, almost requires, you know, kind of being, being a rebel and, and trying to do it more yourself cooking more, you know, I, um, I mean, I, in, in desperation, I started a food company to help people at least eat foods that are quick to prepare or don't require any prep, but are actually safe, are actually good for them and thoughtful and, you know, made with ingredients that promote cardiovascular health. Answer on the food end, if you ask me like what the true solution is, it's home economics. It's home ec. We need to bring back home ec. We won't solve it with undoing, trying to get the government to undo the, where they, what crops they subsidize and, you know, and which constituencies are favored for, for this and that. It's, that's too big a lift. The, the obvious thing is bring back home ec, but real home ec, like where it's mandatory. It's from kindergarten all the way through high school, where when you, when you leave, when you leave school, when you, when you graduate from high school, not only do you know how to add, subtract, divide, multiply, and, and, and write an essay, you also know how to plan 
a, a, a week's worth of meals, how to can tomatoes, how to, you know, how to cook a chicken, how to balance a checkbook, how to clean a toilet, like, like, you know, how to do the laundry, like you should really come out with, with life skills, but especially around food. The back to the basics with the food is just so, it's, it's so true. And there oh. is, you know, and all of those things, I mean, it, it all, I think so much good health is built around the dinner table. I mean, you have that connection with your food, you know, what's going into it, you know, what you're making, you're serving it to your family, you're having intentional conversations that's leading to the social connection. You're having a funny moment at the table at our table. I've talked about this before. We say, we ask what your best part of your day is every single night at the table. And sometimes people say, pass. Cause they had a yeah. bad day. And then I started to say the other day, we're done with the passing. You can come up with one decent thing <laughs> of your day. I don't want to hear the passing anymore, including to my husband. I said that you don't, you're not saying pass. Like this is ridiculous. And then, and then you even have them, you know, there's movement involved in like bringing groceries in and like picking up your cast iron skillet and like all of these things can really be incorporated in some of those daily traditions and you know I'm I am like so passionate about home food and whole food and being connected with your food that people I always joke Dr. Clotus people can't believe that we have chickens in our backyard and then like what do you do when a chicken dies like oh my gosh that must be so traumatic when one of your chickens dies and I'm like guys I've got three chickens in the freezer right now like I don't know what to tell you y- you well, know it's but that's the thing you've they've got like people are like how can you handle this if you lose a chicken and I'm like you just ate chicken salad like 10 minutes ago I mean that's that's how disconnected from our food we've gotten that we don't even see we have no emotional connection to it anymore. Yeah. And, and, and actually, you know, one thing I do want to bring up because I, I think this happens very commonly, at least it, you know, it is when I, when I talk to patients with, with younger children is, or, or children at home, frankly, or especially, and sometimes especially teenagers, it's the parents' diets like somehow shift to please the children and you know and and like all of a sudden like they're eating pizza and chicken nuggets and like like wait whoa 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 wait (laughs) like it you should not be (laughs) catering to your children you should be catering to health period yours and then by default theirs and and have them learn from 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 beginning like this is how you eat. Mm-hmm. You, you, McDonald's is not how you eat. Right. That's like, a great point. Is not how you eat. Yeah. That's it, a great point. Such a good point. You're totally right. We get into this thing where it's like what's what's the kid food? We um I I read something that's really helped me which is uh parents decide what to serve, kids decide what to eat. So that's really helped me with my kids as I go, well this is what we're having. And then you decide what of what of it on your plate that you want to eat and you you decide that. And so that's what we that's what we've been doing. And that's helped take the pressure off of me. Like my son, Franklin, he's just having none of like a cucumber. I mean, he or what, you know, whatever little vegetable thing he won't have. So I just put one cucumber on his plate. And if I end up like I eat it later, or I toss it. But every day he knows there's going to be something on his plate. And I just know, Dr. Clotus, one day he's going to shift and it's just going to be, it's, it's going to happen, but you just have to keep at it. Yeah. And, and yes, and the persistence, you can sometimes just want to bang your head against a wall, but it, it does happen. Eventually children do change their, change their behavior and they get, and they model us, they model us. 
So how do you feel? I mean, you know, when we talk about this and we could go on all day about this and we're running out of time, but I do, I do want to leave people with like, do you have a feeling of hope? Do you feel like on an individual basis, people are starting to wake up or does it feel really overwhelming to you? Because when you're saying 90% of the stuff in the grocery store is building disease, that feels like real tough to me. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah. 90 may be a little overstated, but, but especially in the, you know, in, in you the know, center aisles, in the center aisles. Yeah. Um, I think, I think we are seeing a, a, a resurgence of not, not a rebellion that, that's, that sounds too, you know, kind of though. I mean, it is but, like, but look I at think, all the marketing messages. Yeah. I think we are, I, I think people are waking up to the fact that the current system is failing, right? They're on, you know, in my, in my office, they're on, they come in and they're on all these medications and they don't feel any better. They don't look any better. Like, yeah. yes, their numbers are fine, yeah. but, but ultimately it's not truly a cure. I mean, the only way you can cure anything is to address the underlying reason why you're sick in the first place. Mm-hmm. The reason for most people, the reason why their cholesterol is high is not because they're deficient in Lipitor. The reason why their cholesterol is high is because they... Their, their lifestyle is promoting high cholesterol in their blood. And so, and if you change the lifestyle, you don't need the pill. Like that's the whole point. I should be out of a job. I should not, my cardiologist should be like on street corners, you know, with, with little <laughs> signs like we'll, we'll see patient for food. Um, because, because this disease need not exist. And yet, you can't, they can't churn us out fast enough. So it is, it is about addressing lifestyle and people are starting to wake up to the fact that there's more of this under their control. And, and especially once they change what they do and they start to feel better, yeah. it, that's what makes it sustainable. It's that you feel better and then you don't want to feel bad again because you remember what that is. Or if you slide back and you start to feel bad and you're like, Oh, Mm-hmm. Like n- n- no more of this. I'm. I. I want to go back to, to what I was doing that made me feel so much better. Because we should I feel good. We could, I wish we could get there, and I think that that it's such a positive, wonderful message to put out there. And people need to know that it takes time, years it and takes- years of bad habits. You can't turn it around in a day. You've got to change your diet, and you may not feel great at first. It might take. You're the doctor. It could take weeks until you really start to see your body adjusting to the change in, in your lifestyle. But it's, it so matters and it's so important. It's so yeah. important. So, so, so a couple of little benchmarks for folks. So number one, taste buds are taste buds turnover every two weeks. Ooh. So if you are currently like super, you know, addicted to a uh, very high sugar, very high salt diet give it a couple of weeks, you, your yeah. palate will adjust and you will start to like or, or, or be more at ease with a, with a different, you yeah, know, you'll be satisfied with less salt, less, less sugar. sugar. I love that. Sugar. Yeah. That's good to know. So every two weeks, so give yourself two weeks and you can do this slowly, right? Like cut the salt in, you know, by a quarter and, and yeah. just, just, right. you know, sort of come, come on down. Number two is some health changes can be very, very rapid. So we showed with, with our foods that within a month you can see like 
really clinically meaningful cholesterol reductions by just oh, changing out two things you're eating a day. Like it, it's, it, and some people have medication level results in, in 30 wow. days. So, so cholesterol changes rapidly. Blood sugar takes about three months to, to alter meaningfully and then wait probably six months. So, but, but, you know, it's not a lifetime, yeah. right? Like these things get in, in the grand scheme of things, that's pretty dang rapid. <laughs> On all of that. It is really incredible. Dr. Clotis, you are the best. I, I mean, really, <laughs> if you have any heart concerns or heart issues or you're, you've been talking with your physician about needing to see a cardiologist, I just can't recommend Dr. Clotis enough because as soon as I had any encounter with you, I was just like, this is the lady. This is the one. Like she totally gets it. And, and, and I love your combination of, of straight saying this is what needs to happen with a whole boatload of empathy that the 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 deck of cards is stacked against you in this country and so figuring out how to help people navigate that i think is so crucial to change and having people in healthcare like you i i wish every doctor was like you because i think your message is just amazing so we've loved talking with you this has made me very happy very happy today marjorie how are you in your closet are you okay under there I am very happy as well. And uh, I love a doctor. I love a doctor that wants to put herself out of business. <laughs> no, there you go. If you're enjoying this yep. podcast, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give us a review at Apple Podcasts. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Best of the Nest or go to bestofthenest.com to subscribe to our newsletter. We are the podcast that brings you home. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the Sleep Number Bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.